Hello, and welcome back to Equity, a podcast about the business of startups where we unpack the numbers and nuance behind the headlines. I'm Natasha Mascarenas, and this is our Wednesday show, where we niche down into a single topic, think about a question, and unpack the rest. This week, we're asking, will the metaverse be for work or for play? And regardless, how does it reach the mainstream? As always, I am joined by Alex Wilhelm. Alex, how the heck are you? I'm fantastic. And I'm, I'm really glad about this show because we're going to live up to our, our subhead for the first time. This is going to be the numbers, yes, and the nuance behind the, like the headlines. We're literally going to nail it. We wrote that and we've used it a lot. And today, finally, we live up to our own expectations. In fact, I think we over-index on new nuance this episode because the metaverse is like is nuance in its core. Yes. So, I mean, yeah, probably the most equity topic. And we're finally going to get past talking about it as just like a rebrand, which feels refreshing. I want to walk us through what we're going to be talking about today, and then we can jump into definitions, stuff like that. So, I mean, as I said, we're going to first start off by defining the metaverse and kind of ask some of our big questions about it still, and then walk through two news items. First, Facebook's earnings and what that means for its version of building the metaverse. Then we're going to go to Microsoft, talk about two of its acquisitions, one that's kind of in antitrust territory. And so what that means for its definition of the metaverse. And finally, figure out what's going to work. Will it be for work, for play? And what does that mean for startups? But let's start with really defining the metaverse. I'll start because I think it really, my understanding has been Roblox. Like for the longest time, Roblox is this virtual world that has raised a ton of money and it's a it's a kind of a gaming experience for kids to have avatars and jump into different virtual worlds. But it's old. So there's a newer definition of metaverse, Alex, that I think we've seen Facebook really pick up on. Well, I, I almost want to start by flipping this around and seeing kind of what the metaverse isn't. Like, I think we've seen metaverse conflated with blockchain technologies. We've basically any NFT startup out there has attached the word metaverse to their their pitch deck, it seems. And so I, I don't think the metaverse is inherently decentralized, and I don't think the metaverse is inherently only social. To me, it's kind of like this, this new space in our world in which we are navigating various situations using digital avatars or representations of ourselves in a way that probably apes or mimics game mechanics, but not for this kind of game style outcomes like, I love myself an RPG willing to go out there and slay a dragon, get a golden egg, whatever. I don't think that's going to be the metaverse per se, but I wouldn't yeah. be shocked if some of the, the UI elements persisted. But I'm curious, Natasha, you bring up Roblox, which yeah. is a, a game that I play on a screen in front of me. Now, varying sizes of screens and computers and so forth, but theoretically, it's on a screen. Some people, Facebook, I might say, would think of you know the metaverse as being a bit more VR focused, like I'm going to wear a headset. I'm flexible on where I see the metaverse going, but I'm curious if you have a, a direction you kind of think it's going to branch out towards on a more serious basis. Yeah. I mean, I think there's now that somewhat infamous quote out there, maybe by Phil Leibin of like, I don't think anyone is going to strap plastic to their face on a consistent basis to get into the metaverse. And I, I really believe that. Like if we think about even two years into a pandemic, our core platforms we're using to work at TC are still Slack convo and email and calendar. And I don't think that's us being not innovative. I think that's just like us being realistic on the friction we want to sign ourselves up for. So I'm pro a metaverse that requires less friction, just because I feel like I am sort of like the target audience of like a newer way of working. And I'm not trying to like, I guess, strap things on, even if it's for free, because we're seeing companies start to give those Oculus headsets for free to employees. Yeah. I, I think my issue with the idea today of using a VR environment as the main chariot to the metaverse is that I have to work slower or more slowly 
to use proper English because it turns out I get paid to use English. So I should, you know, generally speaking, get the grammar right. <laughs> um, but like whenever I'm, I've used VR, I've worn different headsets, I've played games, I've done things and it's super cool and engaging, but very slow. And this is my, my beef with iPads to pick a kind of out there analogy. Like I have an iPad, uh, I have an iPad Pro, I have an Apple Pencil and it, it's cool for a couple of things, mm-hmm. but fundamentally I can't move at top speed. And so to me, Slack and Convo and email and calendar are the ways in which I can get the most done as quickly as possible. And I'm always behind. So to me, the metaverse VR or screen based, it has to, if it's going to work in a work environment, it has to be better than what I currently have. It can't just be almost as good. It has to be actually better. And like putting our startup Optimus hats on, I think that's why Facebook and Microsoft putting tons of money towards something that is fundamentally such a bet in a consumer shift of behavior has been Hard to ignore, candidly. It's different than everyone bringing on a crypto strategy because you can kind of just say that and the technology has progressed enough that you can even make the semblance of one. But as we've seen through Facebook, and we'll talk about their earnings in a second, but through Facebook's investment, starting with Oculus and that $2 billion acquisition to Horizon and its new bet on what a virtual working world looks like, it's just hard to ignore at this point. Horizon looks like a game made by non-gamers. And... (laughs) What what's the phrase? The worst of both worlds. Like it's just yeah. eh, uncompelling to me. And, and and frankly, it maybe the better way to put it is: What if McKinsey designed the metaverse? It would look roughly like Facebook's first shot at it. So I'm I'm not encouraged there. But there's kind of like two main perspectives that I think about from the metaverse. Like one is it's going to be a a work environment, as in majority work, and one in which it's going to be majority non-work. And that doesn't mean gaming. It means social. And I think that's an important distinction. Not everyone's going to fire up the metaverse and go, again, quest for dragons or whatever. But like, you know, will this digital social slash interactive space be more for work or for play? I don't know if I'm entirely sure, but why don't we talk through uh, two of the big players and what they're doing and then um, talk about the startups and then see if we can come to some sort of synthesis. 100%. So let's start with Facebook because that is the fresher news angle. So Facebook has been, as we've been talking about throughout, really putting money and bets into the metaverse world which made its latest earnings report, I think, sing a very specific kind of song. I, I think the way that we described it on the site is it's the biggest dollar amount single day drop for a company's market cap ever. Yes, It's st- stock tanked by more than 26% day of, which actually represents like a $230 billion reduction in market cap. And for people who care specifically about Zuckerberg, uh, estimated $31 billion drop in his personal net worth. Alex, why do you think it dropped so insanely? Well, Facebook is building a new future for itself. For the longest time, no matter what happened, no matter what controversies, no matter what congressional investigations, no matter what, you know, international catastrophe, Facebook just kept growing. And it just picked up new DAUs, new MAUs. Its ads were always doing big numbers. And so, like, Facebook kind of shrugged off all the criticism because, of course, it was just killing it on a business sense. And so, you know, the world kind of gave them a lot of space to mess around with VR or you know, do whatever, because the core business was killing it. So not a lot of complaint. Recently, though, we've seen that kind of change. I forget if it was DAUs or MAUs. I think it was DAUs. Facebook actually showed a decline in the last quarter. And so the era in which Facebook effortlessly or seemingly from the outside effortlessly grows is over. So that begins to beg a question. Okay, if the Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp triumvirate have reached maturity or what we might call peak social oil, if you want to kind of mix a couple of metaphors and analogies there, uh, what's next? And the answer is Reality Labs, which is their kind of VR metaverse side of the business. The yeah. downside is it's tiny. 
compared to what Facebook's other businesses are. So in the last quarter, Natasha, family of apps revenue, this is Facebook, Instagram, uh, Messenger, and WhatsApp, 32.8 billion in revenue. Reality Labs, 0.87 billion. So it's much smaller and it's also very unprofitable. And so yeah. Facebook is essentially telling people, look, we're going to be pouring capital into this. And investors are saying, oh, so the era of easy growth and fat margins is probably over. And Facebook is going to be in a long period of evolution. Down goes the value. From like a purely like building sense, it scares me that Facebook now has all of its eggs in one basket because obviously there's a value to something being an experiment and the people who work on that experiment having room to grow and launch silly things. I don't know if Facebook works like that, but if I am thinking of Facebook like a startup, like, okay, yeah, experiment, not too much pressure. But I think Seeking Alpha put this really well. They were saying that Facebook now is no longer trying to build a metaverse. It needs to build the metaverse. The stakes are so high. And I think its innovation as a result will look a little bit more predictable, aka appealing to the people who are going to put money into a virtual world, maybe enterprises, than something that's going to just meet consumers where they are right now which kind of makes me bummed. I, I think a lot of startups I talked to for the longest time said, we'll let Facebook figure it out. And now they're kind of maybe taking a step back or rethinking if Facebook's going to set the agenda because it has to make it work in some way. And it has to make it work for Facebook because it, it, it feels like such a large bet of the company's future success rests on it, which to me sounds like they're going to build something that they can easily monetize from right. day one. And that implies a more closed walled garden thing. Like it's going to be less open than we'd like. Which is why I, I want to have Microsoft in this conversation, because if, if you go back in time to the kind of like late Gates Balmer era of the company, uh, back when open source software was a, was a four letter word and the company really wanted to use Internet Explorer and Satya wasn't CEO. And, you know, to be clear, they did some smart things back then and some, and some dumb things. Killing Zune, dumb. Bring it back. It was great. <laughs> but the point is, Microsoft has, has really evolved as a company to be a much more open platform. And this is to its benefit. I mean, like when it bought GitHub, people were terrified that it was going to trash the service and make mm -hmm. it all, you know, Windowsy. Not a bit of it. In fact, you can now run Linux on Windows, uh, Azure, their cloud computing is doing really well. And they actually have really rebuilt ties to developer communities and, and uh, create a lot of open kind of pathways across the software world. Huzzah. So to me, if I was to pick a company from the purely openness perspective about who's going to win the kind of push to the metaverse, Microsoft feels more correct to me. But I don't think they have to be the metaverse you know i think microsoft would be willing to own a, a good sized chunk of it which you know that's still a lot of money but i don't think they need to be you know the only player i actually completely agree with that like i don't see the way microsoft acting to be it putting all of its eggs in one basket again for lack of better idiom i like already feel myself repeating it but i, I so i think like looking at microsoft's latest acquisitions really tells you how broad they're going so we know that microsoft announced its plans to acquire blizzard and that, I think, showed us how much they're betting on the consumer version of the metaverse. They also are in a $20 billion deal talks with Nuance. And that's more of an enterprise version of the metaverse. So even though you can see that they're thinking that the metaverse is going to be somewhat of a thing 10 years from now, it's spreading it out. So it's not just betting on consumers showing up every day. Maybe it's also betting on companies creating a version of the metaverse that's like more scalable. And I feel like I'm being vague. So let me let me say it more like, yeah, please. Maybe companies are going to start giving avatars to their employees. I don't think that's the metaverse.com, but I think that's like a version <laughs> of the metaverse as part of your strategy. Um, yes. Blizzard, however, is like you're fully in the world and you are the metaverse in every way. So I kind of like that Microsoft is trying both out. Yeah, well, let, let's see if that deal gets approved. First yeah, of all, they've, they've announced the purchase. <laughs> uh, I'm, 
I'm a little bit skeptical of it. Okay. Uh, Wait, why? You know, how big does Microsoft have to be? Like, come on. The thing about Microsoft's scale is you have to reach a billion dollars internally to kind of reach key business status. And that number may have gone up. So the company is just incredibly large. And so, you know, if I was an antitrust regulator, and I'm not, to be clear, although that'd be a great job to have in a couple of years. That would be so fun. Oh, my God. We should, like, dress up like that for Halloween one year. Just like antitrust regulators. Hello. Your house is too big. We're going to break it into two houses. So we'll see if that deal goes through. But there was a great interview with Satya Nadella, CEO of Microsoft, in the Financial Times that really got us thinking because he says, look, the metaverse is just gaming. And I was like, okay, that's pretty narrow. It felt almost simplistic. And then I kind of I read further in the conversation and he's like, look, we're building some of this stuff into things like Teams, which is their kind of Slack equivalent. It's kind of like Slack and Zoom together, if you will. And, you know, they have avatars. They have a way to create a digital environment where you can see the people in the meeting in their digital sense. And so I wonder if instead of there being kind of a thunderclap metaverse moment like there was yeah. with the iPhone or maybe even Mosaic or Netscape back in the day. I wonder if instead we kind of like, you know, army crawl into the metaverse through a number of different channels and that will help kind of determine the development, i.e. what works and what will people use versus a whole cloth creation of a new world like Horizons. And that's the, the, the way we'll actually get there. Because the pandemic made telehealth and remote work more possible. Cool. How many times are we going to get an event that pushes a particular technology forward? I don't think the metaverse is going to see a similar sort of like world change. And so probably incremental is my guess of how it get there. That leans well into like my overall take when it comes to will the metaverse be more for work or for play? We've seen companies either through like virtual HQs or through finding different ways to advertise their businesses, having more incentive to adopt the virtual world. But consumers have been building towards a more interactive experience for a while. I mean, there's Club Penguin on one hand, but there's also like Clubhouse and now people showing up in startups like Gather, which are like a better way to celebrate and do virtual happy hours. And so I stand by the fact that enterprise might create the image of the metaverse. They might be the ones that are the loudest about it. But I think consumers going there in their time off and when they don't need to be is when I actually think it'll become mainstream. Yeah. And also, I'll just say getting there first doesn't really mean a lot. Yeah. Like there is a first mover advantage, I think, for a lot of stuff that's obvious. Like if you're building vertical software for a specific industry, you get in there first and you build a good product and capture a lot of market share. There probably is a first mover advantage. Hell yeah. But like, you know, you and I now work for Yahoo, I believe. Yahoo was back in the day, the leading portal. It was a, it used to have its own search tech and now it doesn't. And Google came later and did better. And so I don't think that because we're seeing one company or the other really take the first push at this, we've seen the end game. You know, we haven't gotten to the point in which the solution has been kind of sorted out. And I don't think that's going to happen for some time. That's why I'm kind of on this incremental thing. Like, I think this happens slowly. Yeah. And uh, let's talk about crypto just for a second. Sure. The reason why crypto ends up in this conversation a lot is people talk about kind of portability. And what I don't want to have is three different, met is it metaverses or is metaverse plural? Metaverse-i? I feel like Metaverse-i is like where I would land, actually, yeah. I don't I don't want to have multiple avatars in multiple metaverse No, that, that doesn't feel Metaverses. Right yeah. Okay, uh, send us a tweet, Equity Pod, with how you say this, because we would love to get some input, because apparently we don't know how to speak it. Uh, new words, <laughs> everybody. Yeah. Anyways, multiple Metaverses. I want to have one avatar. I want to have me. I want to have my yes. identity. And people talk about crypto while it's being the single source of truth or whatever, which is a little weird, because I have multiple. I have like 20 bucks in Coinbase and like 20 bucks in my MetaMask, I think, for my NFT experiment the other month. 
So I don't even know if, am I Coinbase Alex or am I MetaMask Alex? I don't really know. But I mean, someone needs to build that. And so I'm curious if someone's going to build the open platform and if that's a startup opportunity that allows all the other metaverses to plug into it. This is actually something I was talking to my friend about as I was prepping for this episode, because he was walking me through how, sorry, I'm going to sound super lame here for people who are gamers, that you can't play like Halo on like a different service than like cross-platform gaming doesn't exist. It's, it's limited. It's limited. And I totally thought you could play Halo on any single service you ever wanted. It, there's just a version for it. For your Xbox, for your PS4, stuff like that. And so I'm shook because I'm like, okay, if we can't even play games on the same platform, are we ever going to, to your point, Alex, have a metaverse that everyone can agree on? And so I do think there's definitely a startup opportunity there because let's talk about it. Like, I mean, Facebook has a lot of pressure to deliver on this. Microsoft is under antitrust pressure. I think a startup (laughs) has a lot of flexibility to be like the scrappy universe for people to start coming to and people to start trusting. Cause I think yeah. if you're building a social network in 2022, you're going to do it a lot more transparently than something like big tech. So you kind of have that built in reputation yeah. as well going in your favor. Yeah, I think it's a great point. I, I really think the idea of BYOD, bring your own device. This was a big deal, uh, you know, 15 years ago in the enterprise, like people were bringing their own phones to work. Oh my gosh, how are we going to handle all of this? How are we going to keep it safe? Blah, blah, blah. And it was controversial. And then it became bring your own software. Bottom-up software uh, yeah. was a way to kind of get things moved into uh, corporations. Dropbox was famous for this model of, of sales. BYOA, which I've just made up, and we're not going to keep that acronym to be clear, bring your own avatar, right? So, like, what's the open system that allows this to all interoperate? We almost need, like, a, like a shared open core OS that everyone can kind of essentially speak into. And on their own branch of the metaverse yeah. or whatever they could have their own rules and setup and graphics and so forth but a, a shared core that i could kind of have as as my own that i could take different places would be lovely uh, i wouldn't want my avatar to wear my usual work get up to to work because yeah you know i, I think i'd want to have a, an auto wardrobe transformation in certain contexts yeah, sure. like yeah so that, that should be built in i don't see why someone doesn't build this i don't think facebook has the dna to build something open I don't think Microsoft has the focus outside of gaming. And so maybe it is a startup that has to do it. And I think we've already seen it in the messaging of a lot of like the virtual HQs that I spoke to, I guess now almost two years ago. Wow. So we had like, yeah, we had like three or four at the time that really popped off, um, gather team flow in space. And there's a couple others, but you know, what used to be, I think like 30 startups has now become like really a top two or top three yeah. backed by all of the major funds. I'll link my pieces in the show notes because I can't think of them off the top of my head, but just know that like almost every top tier VC has an investment in a virtual HQ right now. And that's not casual. But even when I interviewed them, they were really saying, I'm excited to see what you have to say. Um, Even when I was interviewing these virtual HQs, I mean, they were very much branded as that to begin with. Then Facebook announced its rebrand and all of them kind of changed their branding to metaverse. And a lot of them told me to their credit in our first interviews that they didn't want to build something where you go to work and kind of shut off. But like, what if you can enter your building for work and then leave and do a happy hour or networking event with other people? Like the same way you can kind of see Market Street in San Francisco. Can you recreate being that close to the Slack HQ and, and meet your friend who works there as an engineer? And I, I thought that at the time and still is a really exciting use case and one that I do think startups have the incentive to bring together because they can be more nimble and can kind of mess up without all eyes and revenue expectations down their throat. Just listening to you ex- explain this and explore it makes me want to makes me want to go start a company that's building this because there's so much cool stuff to do here. Like I, I've spent a lot of time in games and a lot of time in gaming communities, and I've also spent a lot of time at work. 
Um, actually, I spent way more time working than gaming. Now that I think about it, but th- there is a there is a future in which I can using my avatar identity, whatever, ping my friend at a different company, and instead of spinning up a, I don't know what would we call this. We're, you and I are in a Zoom right now, just sure. kind of so we, we can kind of see each other and so forth. Like there should be some sort of way where we can sit down and play automatically with our avatars, checkers, or something like relaxed and casual. Like I can have my news feeds already pulled in, like create a comfortable digital environment for me and other people to exist in on a sporadic basis that's open. Like th- that that seems like an obvious thing. It's not second life. I don't want to buy real estate. I don't want to build a house. Yeah. You know, I have enough to take care of already in my life. W- what I want to do is have the world's best way to move between my work and personal personas in a digital environment that is seamless, easy, and open. And maybe that's what the metaverse should be. And the question then becomes, can we get there? And then again, back to earlier, by what chariot? And we'll have to see. But I, I almost like where that's going. That feels encouraging and exciting to me, which feels good. It does feel exciting. And it doesn't feel like out of this world, like what you're saying. I, I think it's asking a lot of users to buy real estate in the metaverse before they really understand the value of the metaverse. Maybe for a company, it's not that hard. Like I, I think Tinder has created a virtual HQ already. And I think those companies, like I said, have a lot of like incentive to kind of bring up different perks and more interaction and connection for their people. So I, I stand by that we'll probably see these enterprises continue to make those bets. But I don't think that should put pressure on consumers. Like if you're yeah. listening to this and you don't get it, you're not alone in that because I no. think like you ha- there's a lot of handholding that should be done. I want to, I guess, end with what you were just saying of like, if we were to build a startup in the space. Like, how would we try and approach it that's different than what's being seen right now? And I'm not saying like we need to have like a strategy, but I would love to like brainstorm what the dream metaverse platform is prioritizing for like V1. Yeah, I can I can start. I like the idea of this like virtual identity that can change from whatever platform you go to. So if there was like a metaverse company that gave you an avatar that you could like plug into your Slack, plug into your Twitter, and you could start to be recognized as that person. And then there's a platform where you are that person walking around and jumping around. I'll be pretty excited about that. Like, I think we've seen like what it's like to like be recognized by an NFT on Twitter right now. And that I think is like a whole separate conversation. But I don't know, wouldn't it be kind of cool if like a company kind of gave you a cute avatar, you are that on all your platforms. And then there is an actual platform where you get to act like that. I think that that would like create that like blending of worlds that we've been talking about where it's not necessarily having to be work or play, but it's just like you because we are both of those things at the same time. Always. You know, what's really funny is how insecure humans are like the whole NFT profile picture thing or NFT PFPs. Um, it, it's just, it, it's not virtue signaling per se, although it's also that it's, it's more just status signaling. Yeah. And I, I, and I bring this up because describing a metaverse in which it's full of status signaling sucks. Totally. No, no interest in that. Cause I, I just, I, I don't want to recreate suburban keep up with the Joneses in the future. I like a lot, of, a lot of what you said. I think that's a, it's a very good perspective. I, I think like the way that I see this coming together is kind of like the, the hybrid of unity and one password. Unity is a game engine that has quite a lot of uh, openness to a degree. You can, you can license it. You can develop with it. it, it cre- it's, a, it's a shared kind of language, if you will, for building games and other virtual environments. Uh, that's a reasonable model. I'm not saying unity per se. Uh, and then one password is great because it's my my little vault. Like yeah. I, I know the master password. It has all my stuff in it. It's super secure. It's lovely, and it, it's a great way to like, to keep things safe. So some sort of hybrid of those two with an open core that allowed me to plug things in. It just just seems super exciting. And I I wonder if actually one company can build this, or it has to be kind of like a like a like a collective 
uh, of tools that come together maybe to to create this central point. But what I will say is just thinking out loud, listening to you, listening to me and the conversation, it doesn't seem that Facebook's going to be able to pull this off. And it seems almost like Microsoft is supportive versus dominant in, in our perspective, which does leave a hole, which does leave a place for, for a startup or startups to really push this ball forward. Even though it's kind of cheesy, like we shouldn't underestimate, yeah, like the cool credit startups have or a scrappy team has in this moment. We've seen it happen so many times where these companies start from really like being a no-name to getting attention from Facebook and Facebook trying to build a copycat. So I am excited to see what's happening there. And obviously, if anything we described is already being built, let us know. I would love to be able to walk around and have everything plugged in together. I think integrations and not trying to defend your yes. own home turf will be key to the future yeah. of a work slash play metaverse. We, we may need a nonprofit central entity that people can kind of own a, a small piece of and, and kind of integrate with to, to make that work. That's exciting to me. I'll throw in one last thing. I think it's going to be consumable in, in multiple formats at once. I don't think it's going to be any single way because you mentioned earlier how you thought gaming was cross-platform. And I, I chuckle a, l- a little bit because that's definitely where things are moving. Slowly. Okay, good. <laughs> Thank God, because that feels very, very antiquated. Can I just say that? <laughs> well, it, it, it's walled gardens between Microsoft and Sony and uh, kind of the, 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 the pissing match back and forth, which is why Sony bought gaming companies, Microsoft buys game companies to put exclusives in their walled garden so you buy their console. Yeah, it, it feels like 1997. Yeah. I know. But you mentioned that and it made me think of Fortnite. And one of the most brilliant things that Fortnite did was it just said, you can play Fortnite wherever, on your phone, on your... Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this is the dumbest thing. Who's going to play Fortnite on their phone? Right. T- turns out everybody. So I, I, phones, computers, laptops, tablets, VR headsets, AR headsets. I, I think for this to work, it has to be ubiquitous and as easy as breathing. And that's going to be a tough challenge to lift. But lots of space there for startups. Lots of space there for startups. And I'll end with like actually talking about what we're using right now, which is Zoom. Like Zoom would not have been successful. It would not be able to beat Skype if it wasn't as easily accessible and usable where you just input a code and click start meeting as it is. And so I think we've seen enough precedent where people should feel motivated by building a metaverse versus feel like the big tech is on it. So we don't need to be. And Zoom nailed the business use case first and then became a consumer phenomena. Discord nailed the gaming use case and then became a mass market phenomena. You know, Facebook was good at colleges and then it kind of expanded. I mean, I, I remember when Facebook added high school students and my brother invited me to Facebook because he was in college. Crazy. That 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 worked. Yeah. Um, so, But Facebook, on the other hand, now is saying we've built the thing. And I wonder if that's just too broad to succeed and you have to go niche up. Anyways, we could keep riffing, but I think I'm supposed to shut up now. So, Well, everything does have to end with Zoom because it is 2022 and it is still the way we are interacting with the metaverse mainly. But Alex, always lovely to have you and to talk through something as crazy as this with you. And we're back on Thursday. Don't forget, Equity is going live, which means you can catch us on Hopin. You can catch us on Twitter Spaces. If you want to ask us questions after the show and make us kind of dance to whatever song it is you want to play, Come to hop in, throw this in directly, uh, but you can listen, I think, pretty much everywhere. And we'll be doing this every other week, swapping off with the other TechCrunch flagship podcast, Found. And I think I hit all my talking points. There's a begin wrap. I think you forgot that you're going to actually be doing karaoke for all of us during the live show. So it's actually a can't miss. And we will see you all on Thursday. Bye. 